Hi guys, and welcome to and or back to the Jet Rail Podcast. I am your host, Jill Treese, and this week I am answering the last round of email questions as I am moving the questions to Patreon. Um, you can find me there at patreon.com slash Podcast, or you could just go to their website, type in the podcast name. Um, but yeah, we're moving over there. I'll give you guys some more information on that in just a moment. But first, let's roll the intro music. Sound good? Sound good? Three, two, one, go. Alrighty, everyone, we are back. This week will be the last week of me answering email questions. Don't freak out. If you haven't um, quite formulated what question you want to ask or, um, you know, you're like, oh, wait, I have, I don't have a problem right now, but what if I do in the future? I know I'm not that important, but, like, if that happened, my cat wants to say hi. Um, but if that were to happen, don't you worry, your pretty little head. Um, we have Patreon now. And Patreon is a subscription service. Um, it ranges, oh my god, Archie, hush. It ranges from $5 to $35. All the tiers um, offer different benefits. I am now offering online training, and um, it is a, a minimalistic online training, but it is still there, offering consultation phone calls, um, monthly Q&As. Um, where you guys can ask me questions, <laughs> live Q&A videos. You can ask me anything that you want, and I will be able to answer it in real time. So that would be pretty cool. So um, all those benefits come at different levels in the um, in the tiers. I think there are like five tiers. Um, but just go head on over to patreon.com. I'll link it in the description of this podcast. Or you can just download the Patreon app or go on the online, the interwebs, and just look that bad boy up. Um, and look up Jet Roll Podcast and support us. It helps me immensely. Oops, I'm just all full of sounds today. Um, it helps me out immensely as a college student who is trying to support kitties and ponies and doing all sorts of fun stuff. So, um, that would be absolutely phenomenal. If you need more information on it or you're still a little bit confused or, um, you're unclear on something, I really encourage you to listen to the previous episode, the one that comes right before this one. Um, it's called Important, <laughs> Moving to Patreon, um, and it has every single piece of information you could ever need to know about Patreon in that episode, dedicated 26 whole minutes to it, and, um, tried to make a case for why I'm not a jerk. <laughs> um, Archie, you're gonna have to go away, my guy. We can't be doing that this whole episode, okay? People will not support me. He says, but I'm starving. I'm trying to make them pay. <laughs> I feed him, I promise. <laughs> Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay. Anyway, so I'm going to do this last round of questions. We have one, two, three, four, five questions. So that is quite, quite lesser than 12 that we usually tend to have. Um, so I'm going to give them a read and give them my best shot at answering. And then after this episode, I will no longer be answering questions for free. And I know that makes me sound like a jerk and I really do feel bad about it, but I'm hoping that those of you that cannot afford, um, the $5 on Patreon to ask a question, that's totally cool. Not everyone can. I probably wouldn't. I only pay $5 to one podcast, um, per month. (laughs) Um, but if you can't, hopefully you will be able to use the knowledge that I am providing to other people who are able to ask her question directly and get a specific answer to apply generally to your problems or issues that you may be facing. So hopefully we can work on that bad boy. Anyway, Oh, uh, listener Emily asks, so a while ago I emailed you about my horse and the fear of the end of the arena slash back door. I remember, hope you all remember. Um, she's gotten pretty solid by the back door and at the walk and trot, we're not working on the canter and ground on the canter and ground. Well, girl, that don't make any sense. (laughs) So she said, thank you. So you're welcome. Um, but on a different note, yesterday I had a pretty bad fall off of my mare basically she got really excited before a gate jump so i did a circle and then we attempted it at the trot again and then she started cantering reared which made me lose my inside stirrup and literally ran off jumped a pole and ran literally ran i think she had a flashback to her racing days lmao (laughs) around the arena and occasionally bucking with me trying to keep my balance and um stop her from jumping the other jumps long story short she did a really quick turn slid me off and i landed directly on my head ow um I now have a concussion and can't ride for about three weeks. Okay, so the actual question is how can I regain my confidence when I get back on? I'm a very nervous rider, and once I started to actually get confident, this happens. It's not my first fall, but it was such a bad fall, I literally have to buy a new helmet since it broke when I fell. H-E-L-P. <laughs> um, so, for those of you who don't know, that spells help. Um, not that any of my listeners don't know how to spell. <laughs> I'm not trying to imply. Um, moving right along from that butcher job of a joke, um, <laughs> I... Okay, I have lots of thoughts on this. So, um, yeah, that's first of all awesome that she's gotten over the back door thing. That's super, super huge because that can be um, a really difficult thing to deal with and an ongoing issue. So, mad props to you for being able to help her through that. It's awesome. Um, but um, it's hard to tell, obviously, what exactly happened from uh, written words. I mean, in order to be able to actually analyze what happened. I think anyone would probably need to see a video, but, um, it sounds like she was nervous going into the jump. Horses, um, tend to get a little bit rushy when they're unsure. Um, and so then the circling didn't really solve the unsureness. Um, probably if it had been me now, um, in that circumstance, I probably would have just slowed her down and brought everything down a little bit um, let her settle back into like a walk and let her take a breath and then, um, walk up to the jump, click and treat because I'm me (laughs) and, um, like let her sniff it and get comfortable with it and maybe lower it a hair and then, um, then gradually work back up to it and try to solve it that way instead of just like circling, reapproaching, circling, reapproaching. In my experience, that doesn't really ever help. Nothing really ever changes. You might get a better canter two strides out, but it's probably going to end up the same, the stride before (laughs) at least um 
oh god i was at a karen o'connor clinic once and oh my god she made me circle in a i shit you not 10 meter circle like so small cantering without my stirrups before a jump that was like a three foot oxer and she just had me cantering in this 10 meter circle right in front of it and do you know what it did zero things it did not help at all i have a video of it (laughs) and zoe still launched it because she didn't have enough forward energy to jump it because she was right in front of it doing a circle like oh lady stupid anyway um i probably shouldn't say that karen o'connor is not stupid i just don't agree with her methodology she's very rough um but anyway um yeah so i think um like obviously that sounds like a really (laughs) traumatizing situation i think it would have been for anybody it's very scary it's never fun to get taken off with that is like one of my least favorite things to do um so yeah i mean it sounds like you did everything right you just were trying to survive um but i think in terms of regaining your confidence, I would just start back slow. Like, don't feel any pressure to get right back to where you were and addressing the issue. I think um, we really shame people needing time and horses especially needing time in this industry. It's usually just like, oh, you got to get right back on the horse. You don't. That's the truth. If you're scared, you can stay on the ground for as long as you need and you can get on and you don't have to go immediately back to galloping around and jumping everything. It is okay if you need time and you want to take it slow. You know, I mean, like you're not going to do the horse any good if you're, oh God, Wally, get down from the table. Just like stepped and bent the crap out of my drawing that I've been working on. It's so annoying. Um, jeez, whatever. Um, animal, you're bad. You're a bad kitty cat. Um, anyway, you're not doing the animal any favors by being a basket case and then getting on and trying to, um, get right back to where you were terrifying yourself. You know, the horse is going to be like, what the hell is going on? Why are, why are we scared mom? Um, so, you know, if it were me, I would probably, um, just kind of like, maybe if you need it, take a few days to reacquaint yourself with your horse and just spend some time with him on the ground, getting back to, your relationship, you like this horse, you're safe in its presence, it's not going to hurt you, and probably recognizing that she got afraid. <laughs> it's Horses don't react like that because they're content and they feel safe. They react like that because they are afraid of something. It's either something is hurting them or something is scaring them, whether it's the jump or, you know, you got unseated and she was like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, what is this thing doing on my back? And like, it didn't feel normal. And, um, she just got scared and I got, got progressively worse because horses can hit the ceiling real quick with, um, in terms of getting pushed over threshold. And it sounds like she came up to the jump and she was approaching her threshold and then you circled and it didn't solve the problem. I'm not saying that's your fault. You were trying, you tried something else, um, to get her more comfortable with it. But, and then when that happened, it, um, it just, it made her go through the roof. She was already past a certain point of anxiety and it sounds like it just wasn't, <laughs> wasn't gonna, um, get any better, which sucks. So it just sounds like you both kind of need to take it down a notch and just like get re comfortable and take everything slow and bring it back down to where you guys are comfortable and then start building back up from there. Um, I know it can be so scary. I mean, last or two summers ago now, I guess, I fell off and hit my head pretty hard and had to get a new helmet too. Um, But (laughs) God, I've hit the ground so many times in my riding career. So um, 
at this point, it doesn't really frighten me. Like every time I fall off, I'm like, okay, here we go. Just get back on. Um, but I can understand when it's that traumatizing, it can be really hard for some people. If it's in constellation, I'm also a very nervous rider. But I've always had this weird ability to, like, compartmentalize with horses. <laughs> like, I'm just like, yep, okay, I'm terrified, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, but somehow my body can still <laughs> respond like it should. I'm not, like, sitting up there a tense ball of nerves. Um, but if you are, that is a-okay, too. There's nothing wrong with that. It's a very normal reaction. And if that is the case, then I think it really just comes down to getting comfortable with your horse again and making sure that you both trust each other. And then also looking at the situation that freaked her out and figuring out how you can help her. Because if, if you're nervous, you know, I mean, about what happened, imagine how she feels. I mean, that is a huge reaction from her. I mean, I'm sure that was a little bit traumatizing for her as well. So... I mean, you can look at the situation as like, now you guys get to go through this process together where you both get to help each other build confidence. You get to hold her hand and be her teacher and show her that everything is okay and keep working on that. All this experience was, was a sign that, um, or like, I guess an indicator, a sign is a little, probably too spiritual for horse training, um, but an indication, a marker, a, um, oh, what is the word I'm thinking of? Like a tells you something's up like uh, the check engine light coming on um something's up and you need to address it there's a hole in the training and it sounds like she's a little nervous about a gate <laughs> i mean gate jumps can be scary for some horses and um sometimes you just have to reassure them that everything's okay it's not going to eat them and they don't need to run at it and um like i said i don't really think the issue uh or the solution to a horse that is afraid of a jump is to um just continue circling or to hit them if they don't go over it or to if they run out to slam on the brakes and back them up a thousand steps I don't know why backing up has become a punishment like it should like that would be like to me it's like trotting for punishment like that doesn't make any sense um also I want my horse to be able to back up and not think that she's in trouble um but anyway yeah, I mean, I hope that helps somewhat. I know regaining your confidence, it really is just, it's a personal process. Um, and you have to understand that with traumatic situations, you have to take things slow. I mean, some people, I guess, can breeze through it, but they've got unresolved issues that they're not working through. So if you really take the time, then you will come out better on the other side, having taken the time to slowly build up your tolerance and regaining that trust and rebuilding it. And I know it can be really difficult with a horse where you feel like every time you get somewhere good, um, then it just goes right back. But try to view it as more like a cyclical process, you know, like it's not linear where you're going and then something goes wrong and you have to come back and then you have to try and get to that finish line again and then you get yanked back. That's not really how it works with horses. There's always going to be something. There's always going to be an injury or a training hole or something. And that is that's the wonder of training horses and training animals. There's always something new to work on. And I know it can be scary, especially when it is low-key life-threatening. But to some degree, you have to look at it and appreciate it and just be like, this is the way training is. This is what I got into. I do it because I love my horse and I want to see how I can help her. And I think that taking that stance sometimes too can give you a sense of motivation and bravery and drive that you're like, yeah, I'm going to help my horse. It's going to be a little bit scary, but we're going to get there and we're going to do it together. And you also have that camaraderie and that your horse is probably a little scared too. So, um, 
I find that when you have to be the brave one, sometimes that can be really empowering. And just know that you can. I mean, you can get back on. You're likely not going to die at sitting on her. So, I mean, you can work up from there. Take it as, as small a step as you need to to get to the end goal. And uh, don't beat yourself up either. It's okay to be scared, too. I mean, like, that, for all accounts, like, if you told that to literally any other person in the world outside of the equine industry, they would be like, holy shit, are you okay? <laughs> like, I would never touch a horse after that. So, I mean, recognize the bravery in that. You've already taken the step of wanting to get back on. So, I mean, that's something to be proud of already. So, hopefully that helps. Um, also, perk. You get a new helmet. That's always fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, try not to land on your head. Good on you for wearing a helmet, though. You should never not ride in a helmet. Even though I do do that sometimes. I don't recommend it. Um, I just don't want anybody to be like, mm, Jill, but you have pictures. <laughs> um, okay, so next question. Anonymous listener asks, so one year ago, this one's a long one, just a heads up for everyone, and it was all one paragraph. You guys... Don't do that. Um, anonymous listener asks, so one year ago, I bought this horse who turned out to be or have pretty significant ulcers. When I first got him, he was very nappy, unhappy, bucked all the time, and was girthy. That was the second time I've heard someone say nappy. I don't know if that's like a UK thing or a not the US thing, but I nappy is not a word that I'm familiar with, but that's the second time I've read that today. I would say nippy, but... Are A and I even close to each other on the keyboard? No, they're not. That's deliberate. I don't know what that is. Um, I'm guessing, like, snappy, maybe? I don't know. Whatever. He was very nappy, unhappy, and bucked all the time and was girthy. After getting him scoped a few months prior to buying him, I found out about his ulcers and successfully treated them. Fast forward to now, he's such an awesome little horse, but he still doesn't have the best work ethic. We never really clicked like some horse and rider combinations do because of how he never seemed to be enjoying work. He stopped bucking and being nappy. <laughs> what is that word? I'm a, hold on. We're going to look this up real freaking fast. What if I just typed in N-A-P-P-Y? What does it mean? Nappy. Okay, it can mean a diaper. I, I'm not getting like... Nappy, is it UK definition? <laughs> what on earth? What on earth? I have no idea what that... I'm, I can only come up with the assumption that it means, like, jerky or grumpy or something. Okay, anyway. But he still puts his ears back often during our rides, and I can just tell he doesn't enjoy it. About a month or so ago, we really hit a hard spot after going quite well for a while. He never stopped being girthy, but I always use treats and a clicker when doing up his girth, and he's so much better. But to this day, if I don't use a clicker and treats, he'll bite me while I do up the girth. Um, and even when I use the clicker and treats, I can still tell he's unhappy while his girth's getting done up. I knew he would be conditioned to think the girth means pain, but wouldn't he know by now it doesn't? So I'm going to take a pause here and address that. So um, ulcers are not the only cause of that behavior. Um, so there are a few potential reasons here. My back needs to pop very badly and it will not. Um, there are a few potential reasons here. So it could either be he had ulcers and now he's remembering that it hurts and he doesn't like the girth as a result. Or 
there's another issue. Some horses um, get like that when they have a rib out and they need to see a chiropractor or the saddle hurts or the saddle predicts riding, which they don't like the activity, which is a possibility. Or like I said, riding hurts. Um, so they don't like the activity because it hurts. Um, or the physical presence of the saddle hurts. You know, it, it doesn't have to just be the girth. And, you know, sometimes if you set a saddle on, it doesn't pinch. But when you tighten it down, it could be pinching. Um, so, I mean, it could be any number of things. The saddle couldn't fit. Um, or maybe he has a back problem or a rib is out. There, there are endless numbers of reasons. But I would not just rely on it being solely ulcers. Also, ulcers have a potential to come back. There's also hindgut ulcers. I don't know... I don't know if scoping works for that, um, but I, th- I think there's a different test for that, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but yes, and also the the aim of clicker training away the girthy behavior means that if the horse at any point pins its ears, you have to go back a step. So if you get to the point where you are like the girth is going under the belly and the horse pins its ears. You can't just continue to girth him up and then give him treats the whole time. Because also what can happen is you could be rewarding the behavior of pinning the ears. So now you don't know if the horse is pinning his ears because he's in pain or if you've trained him to pin his ears. So that's why I said in the previous episodes, it's really important that you watch the horse. And if at any point they pin their ears or pull their nostril back or something, you have to stop and you have to take it back a step. So, I mean, I've broken it down a million times. Imagine all of the teeny tiny itty bitty steps that go into putting a saddle on the horse and securing it. If at any point the horse pins its ears while you're clicker training, you cannot proceed. The horse is saying, no, that hurts, or I don't like that. So you have to get them comfortable at the level they're at. And if you cannot get them over it, that means something is wrong. You know, I mean, or there's a possibility that you could train them to keep their ears forward, but... Um, the issue is with this situation, you're saying when you don't use the clicker and treats, he's still pinning his ears. So that tells me that either you've trained him to keep his ears back while you're girthing or the horse is still in pain because what should be happening is you should be counter conditioning it. And how counter conditioning works is you take something that has a previously bad association And you take away whatever is creating that bad association. So in this case, it would be removing the ulcers. So if you have removed the ulcers successfully, if that was the problem and it's gone now, then you should be able to counter condition, which means you're you're conditioning a new association, which would be the positive one, that he gets treats now. And if that's not sticking, that means you've not fixed the problem or you've um, created an issue in the training. Um, but like if I had to put my money on it, I would say that there's still something going on. Um, I mean, it's possible you trained him to pin his ears every time, but, um, you know, I don't know. It's tricky, but so I would not continue clicker training, um, until you keep going, because that's the thing. You don't want to train the horse to perk his ears through the pain because then he's not going to communicate to you if he's more concerned about getting a treat. It depends on how bad the pain is, and that might show up in a different way if he's not communicating that to you when you're putting the saddle on because his ears are forward. He might start bucking under saddle, you know? Um, but yeah, so on to the rest of the email. So as I was saying, about a month ago, he got really grumpy again. So I went and got him scoped, but he had no ulcers. I got a saddle checked and his fitting was quite badly. So I thought that was a problem. Likely was. 
got the saddle fitter and physio out as his back were sore because of the saddle, and they sorted that out. So, yeah, I mean, that would be why the horse is still pinning his ears, even when you don't use the clicker. And that's that's why I really encourage you guys to be careful. Because, I mean, like, I don't want to discourage anybody from clicker training, but you have to do it right. Otherwise, it's not going to work. And that's when people are like... Clicker training doesn't work. It's not it's not fixing the problem. It's it's usually either operator error or because you can't train it out. And in this case is you can't train it out. The horse is like, "No, something is still wrong. Thank you for the treats, but something is still going on. I'm not liking this still." Um so yeah, so um his back was sore, but even now a month later he's still so grumpy and he's getting grumpy when I do the belly straps of his rug and grumpy would I get on and my foot touches his side, turns around and tries to bite me. Um, so yeah, I mean, those are not (laughs) good signs. So assuming that you got the saddle to fit perfectly, which it must, saddle fit is the most underrated, but most important, crucial, vital thing. If the saddle does not fit the horse, you are doing the horse a massive disservice. And I know that saddles are expensive and it is really hard to get a custom fitting saddle, but it is so important. Like imagine riding in or running you like you are being forced by a person like your parents are forcing you every single day to go run for 45 minutes however long you ride your horse you have to go run 45 minutes with shoes that are two sizes too small that is what riding in a saddle that doesn't fit is like or two sizes too big you're gonna rub in weird places and it's gonna hurt and it's it is not fair to the animal i would like if i didn't have a saddle like with zoe um, I, after I competed her at Texas Rose, the last time I ever competed her, I stopped riding because a saddle fitter was like, these saddles do not fit her. And I was like, oh my God, seriously? And she was like, yes, you need to buy new ones. And I couldn't get one right then. So I didn't ride her. <laughs> like I hadn't hardly ridden her except in my coach's old saddle. But I mean, I rode her like a handful of times before she colicked, but she was on shitty feed. So, I mean, ugh, I hate those people. Anyway, um, So it's so important and I know it is really hard because horses are already expensive and this podcast is, uh, if anything, been a proponent of that. Like you have to test for this and this and this and this and this. And on top of that, you have to have a custom saddle and you don't, I mean, some horses are easy to fit Zoe, not so much, uh, but it is so crucial. I mean, it is so unfair to the horse to not, um, have a saddle that fits. I mean, Ladies, you know, if you have ever accidentally bought a bra that is too tight, ow, holy shit, you can't last in that very long. It hurts so bad. It chafes and it pinches and you can't be expected to do anything in it because it hurts. And it's the same for our horses. They shouldn't just have to endure it because it's all we can afford. Too bad. Wait until you can buy one. Like, I don't know how else to say it. And I know that comes from probably a place of privilege because I have a saddle, but at the same time, like... You can't, you cannot work a horse in a saddle that doesn't fit. It is so unfair to them. And I really want to make that point. So, listener, answering your question. Sorry, got off on a preach. Um, so, he doesn't have ulcers, and you've gotten a saddle fitter out and a physio. So, a lot of times, one session of massage or muscle therapy or chiropractic doesn't eliminate the problem. I mean, like, you have to keep working, especially with chiropractic, one session doesn't fix the problem because the muscles are going to pull the bone right back out of place. You have to keep doing it. And like with Zoe, 
she has a chiropractor and a muscle therapist and the muscle therapist comes out and loosens her muscles and then the chiropractor adjusts her and we have to keep up with both of them because otherwise the muscles unless we stay really consistent like pull the bone out of place again so um we have to do both of those which is expensive and it sucks and i get it but like if i am wanting to ride my horse i need to make sure that she feels good otherwise it's just gonna suck for her and fun for me that's so selfish um so anyway addressing this you may have to keep doing the physio um and so you said a month later he's still so grumpy and when you do up the belly straps he's grumpy um I mean, that just, it sounds like he is really sensitive and, um, turning around and trying to bite you is not a good sign. I mean, it sounds like he's still sore and I, cause I mean, like I know Zoe, when I put the girth on, she does the same thing with the belly straps, but it's because I didn't generalize from the girth and saddle to the belly straps of the um, blanket. And last year I didn't really put a blanket on her, so I didn't get to work on that, (laughs) um, and didn't prioritize it. But, um, you have to generalize that. Because if you create a positive association with the girth, that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be the same for everything that goes under their belly. So you have to train the same thing again and um, make sure that they generalize it to everything. But um, it still sounds like something's going on to me. I mean, if he's escalated from pinning his ears when you girth him up to um, turning around and trying to bite you, um, it's just that that tells me something's still going on. I mean... I don't know. I mean, there are other possibilities. I mean, like, kissing spine was something I never considered until somebody recommended it to me. I just had never even thought about it. And then somebody was like, have you ever thought about kissing spine? I was like, mm, I hate that you said that. <laughs> and then that turned out to be it. So, I mean, it it's possible. Um, okay, so let me continue reading. He loves to be scratched and isn't ever grumpy when we're on trail rides, but I still think something is wrong. And it's just... It's not just his work ethic as he wouldn't be putting his ears back and trying to bite me when I do up his girth, rugs, etc. for no reason. Exactly. Props to you for seeing that. That is, that is logic. Um, yeah. So, I mean, like, if he's fine on the ride, I mean, that's something. But trail rides also aren't as strenuous as, like, ride rides. Um, I also honestly don't know what to do. I, um, I'm going to get a fecal test to test his hindgut for ulcers. There you go. I didn't know what kind of test it was. I just knew it was different than scoping, um, as they can't scope the hindgut. So I guess that could be the problem. He's out on nice grass 24 seven. He's got a very low sugar diet, gets oil and aloe to prevent ulcers. Actually don't think aloe prevents ulcers. I could be totally wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure that's a wives tale. At least that is what I have read. Cause I did a lot of research on ulcers at one point. Um, but I'm pretty sure that aloe is not necessarily a preventative. I think alfalfa helps a lot though um but i mean aloe could help i don't know um he has friends uh so he isn't ever stressed so it'd be weird if it was ulcers that makes sense um he never cares when i touch his back so i don't think it's kissing spine um zoe's the same way actually uh i like tried to palpate for it and she was just like cool so i mean i don't really think it's something you can necessarily palpate for um and actually um it was towards her lumbar that was sore. So, um, what's interesting about that is her kissing spine is actually closer to, um, where you sit in the saddle and, um, oh my God, you're kidding. Oh, that's so bad. I just got a text from my boss and Twinkie, 
Our little gelding is coming back. The people don't want him anymore. That sucks, Major Dick. Ugh, I hate people. Okay, anyway, sorry. That just really sucks a lot. Um, uh, um, okay, sorry, trying to figure out where I'm at. I got a little disoriented. Um, so, with Zoe, um, where her kissing spine is is actually where a rider sits, i.e. me. So closer up towards her withers. But I noticed she was sore on top of her flank, like where her back turns into her hind end. Um, that's where she was sore. Um, so it could be from compensation somewhere else, um, like it was for Zoe. So she still had kissing spine, but um, it just... I didn't palpate, like, where you would think it would. Um, so he also gets a physio every month, and she doesn't think it's kissing spine. Unless, you can't tell unless you get x-rays. Zoe, her uh, chiropractor said she has awesome mobility. They're just still rubbing. Um, and she can't tell either. So, I mean, you have to x-ray for that. Um, I also have a massage pad for his back, but that hasn't seemed to make a difference, so I don't think it's his back. He still walks up to me in the paddock when I try to play with him in the paddock. He just isn't interested. I've been using clicker training with him for a while, and he used to love playing chasey with me, but now he just looks at me and stands there. If he does trot after me, he has his ears pinned back and just doesn't seem to enjoy it. Yeah, sometimes that's not the best game to play with horses um, because it can be irritating. It feels like they have to chase their food. Um, it's not the best best game to play. I definitely do it sometimes, <laughs> but um, it can just piss him off. Uh, but... Yeah, I mean, this, I mean, it sounds like a tricky situation, um, and I mean, it could be any number of things, truly. I mean, we had a mare that, um, had her shoulder was dropped, like, three inches, and you couldn't tell looking at her, but her scapula, the chiropractor had to adjust it because she couldn't pick up one of her leads, and, um, but she showed no other signs of being sore, just couldn't pick up her left lead, so, I mean... It's, I, it's just, it, there's so many things it could be. Um, I, I'm hesitant to say it could be like a leg thing, um, because it does seem so central to the saddle and girthing. If it was anything else, I mean, there's a strong possibility that the horse could be, um, anticipating a ride that is unpleasant. Um, but if what you're saying is true about the, um, the rides being pretty docile, then I would think it could be something else. Also, I had to take a quick break there um, because my boss called me to inform me more information about Twinkie, our horse that is getting returned to us. And I have a little bit of a beef with this situation and I feel like I can make an example out of it. So apparently the father um, of the daughter that owns the horse called and was like, hey, we took him to a show and he was a little lame when we got there, but... Um, you know, we disputed him and competed him. So, uh, you know, to see if things would get better. And, um, he's, it's been about a month now and he's still worse. Um, so we're just going to get rid of him. And she said that that is what he said verbatim multiple times. She said, he said, get rid of him. And for those who don't know, Twinkie came from a kill pen. So we're like, uh, do you know what this horse has been through? You do not just get rid of him. Um, so, and like, what do you do with a lame horse? You can't sell him to somebody. Like, that's what he meant. Um, so, just so annoying. Um, so, you know, they, I mean, I'm sure the daughter didn't really have a say, but the dad is just like, yep, it's been a month. And Sonny, my boss was like, 
did you get a vet out? Do you know which foot it is? Like, do you know what's happening? And he was like, no, we didn't really want to spend the money on it. So we're just going to get rid of him. <laughs> like, fuck off, people. Do you understand that most horses, at least once in their lifetime, will have a problem? They are a little bit of an expensive endeavor. And if you cannot, if you don't want to pay to help the animal and you would just rather get rid of it, like, don't have animals then? Like, that's so gross to me. Like, like just, just goodbye, horse. See, uh, whatever happens, who cares? You're lame. We don't need you anymore. You're not serving the purpose. Don't, not even gonna try, like, a month that the horse has been lame. You're just hoping something's gonna change. Like, didn't even get a vet out because I don't want to pay for it. So, Sonny, my boss, is like, we're going to take him back. Thanks. Um, but uh, she sounds like she was a lot more polite than I would have been. But we're getting him back. And we're going to take the time and see what is going on and help him. And not just... Uh, that's just so frustrating. <clears throat> anyway. So, that is why I took a quick break. Doesn't sound like a break to you. But um, I had to take a break so I have to get re-familiar with this. Um, anyway, so we're continuing with the email here. Um, he also puts his ears back so when I trot him in hand, at least for the first few steps, it's so unmotivating to have him like this. And I just don't understand what could be wrong if it's not his teeth. I mean, <laughs> if it's not ulcers. Um, his teeth and feet are good. Back checked regularly, like I said. Is it possible he's just always going to be grumpy? He has so much potential and works lovely. I just can't do it to him if he's not enjoying it. I've tried giving him time off, no difference. He never pig roots, bucks anymore in our rides, which is nice, but I always just watch his ears the whole time, and whenever I push him forward, say go back, especially in canter transition. So, yeah, basically I don't want it to do. What could be wrong with him? Just need help. I mean, like, if he's pinning his ears every time you ask him to go forward, I mean, that could be something else. I mean, that could be a hawk issue. He could be arthritic somewhere. I mean, it's just, I would get a second opinion from a different vet and just be like, just check him <laughs> and tell them everything you told me, what's going on and everything that you've done and um, see if you can find out something else. Um, because I mean, I, I really am a firm believer that horses do not just act up because they want to act up. I genuinely think that there is always a reason, you know. Um, I just don't believe in grumpy horses. It's not a thing. Um, uh, unless they have a reason. Um, <clears throat> listener Emily asks, one, my first question concerns trailering with positive reinforcement. I have a 19 year old OTTB gelding and I just recently purchased my first trailer. Exciting. Congrats. Um, I've always had a goal of teaching a horse to self-load, and now that I have my own trailer, I can finally pursue it. When I first got Bear, he was skinny and malnourished and didn't have much personality. So he loaded quite well when I took him home. As he put on weight, he started to trust me. He ended up having so, so much personality. He then started having loading problems, and I was only 12 to 13, so I didn't really know how to correct the problem other than loading a bunch of times to get him over it. As the years have gone on and now we know each other quite well, he will load quietly but still resist some. Now that I have this trailer, I have been working on it every day with him. I've only had it five days, and I'm doing it almost completely at liberty. In the beginning of our sessions, I reward him a couple times as we approach the trailer, and then as he takes steps closer to the back part where he would load to keep him engaged, I will walk out of the trailer and do a circle back to it. He follows me, and I reward him more for staying with me and wanting to be by the trailer. Today, he even lifted his foot up slightly if he was going to step up. That is huge. Congrats. Um, 
and I heavily rewarded him for that. I've even found that um, him standing with his head in the trailer by himself when I was in the tag room part. So I know he's not nervous or scared because he is so calm during the training and will willingly take steps closer during training. Oh, I just read the same line twice. But I'm a little stuck on how to proceed with actually helping him learn to load. He's a very sensitive horse, so I want to avoid any pressure and release if possible, but I don't want to undo all the confidence we built. Um, okay, so for this one, um, I know Fair Horsemanship on YouTube has a lot of videos on loading. They also have a book, and um, it's right next to me. It's called Humane Science-Based Horse Training um, by Elise Vieyard Muckenstrom not entirely sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly at all, but I am, oops, that was way too loud. So sorry about that. Yeah. She has a whole section on loading. Um, yeah, she's got like three pages on loading. It's not a very expensive book either. Um, but it talks all about loading. I can't read it. Obviously that's copyrighted, but, um, yeah, so I would definitely look into that. She's got lots of videos on that, and I know she is, like, hella positive reinforcement. Like, more so even than I am. Like, absolutely, like, don't touch the animal. <laughs> like, she's she's so positive reinforcement. So that might be a really good place um, to look. And um, maybe you could reach out to her, too, and ask for specifics. But if it were me, I would, I mean, like, you're just going to have to really reward when he lifts his foot up like he did. Um you know, you could try targeting him into it. Um, that's usually, I believe, how people go about it. Um, it sounds like you've got a really awesome start, so I would target him into it. And, you know, when you're standing in it, you can hold the target up, and if he takes a step up, that would really communicate to him that he needs to, like, get in the trailer rather than just kind of you standing in there and waiting on him to accidentally do it. Um, but you could do that too, a shaping process, just kind of waiting. Um, but sometimes that can turn into more like bribery and you could also potentially frustrate him by waiting too long. Um, because just lifting his foot and setting it in the trailer, that's kind of like, that's a big jump. Those are two very different things. So mad props to you. I want to congratulate you on all that work. Cause that is awesome. So mad props. That's amazing. Um, just I think that those resources may be helpful. Um, number two, my second question is much shorter and something I'm really curious about. Is it bad slash overwhelming to a horse if you heavily, heavily reward them verbally? Um, almost like you're really hyping them up. My horse really feeds off your tone and I really try to make him feel that he did a really good job, but I don't want to stress him out. I hope that makes sense. I always click and treat when he's done the right thing, but I do enjoy rewarding verbally just to drive the point home. Yeah. I mean, I think some horses like can really tell from your tone and your energy. The only case that I would recommend not doing that is if your, um, if your energy is getting really high, um, there is a possibility that that could be misinterpreted by the horse's like anxiety or stress. Um, but I mean like that is like, I mean, you would have to have like a lot of energy, I think. Um, but I mean, as long as you're clear, horses can tell facial expressions and tones. They know when you're being aggressive and when you're being excited. Um, and my trainer used to always tell me when I was riding Zoe, she was like, talk to her. Every time you say good girl, her face just lights up. And um, I mean, to some degree, that is very true. Um, so yeah, I mean, that could be really something to do. I would, um, not rely on that. It doesn't sound like you are, but just for people out there, um, the only time that verbal praise, it does anything for the horse is if they know 
that it's good um, because otherwise you could be saying pineapple, grape, pear, and it's the same, it has the same meaning unless the words have been associated with scratches or food or something that the horse really likes. They're not going to know that it's good other than just the same way that they know what your face looks like, you know, um, what different facial expressions mean. So don't count on it to be a reward alone, but it can certainly be a, another addition. It keeps your energy positive and it also um, communicates, you know, to the horse that you're good. It keeps you breathing, keeps you thinking, you're paying attention, and it keeps you in a positive mood. So, I mean, I can't discourage it because it's certainly um, a good thing, but it might be more beneficial for the human than for the horse. Um, okay, next question. Anonymous listener asks, I have a summer project who I don't own but is a 17-year-old thoroughbred who hasn't had training in years, and she has some stiffness, but I'm having a hard time convincing the owner to do a chiropractic session as well as a soundless um, appointment after. Do you have any tips for convincing her to pay for it? Because I don't have the money right now. I've also worked on positive reinforcement, but it's hard for her to accept treats because her owner doesn't really care for her. So after her doing something good, I scratch her, but I don't think she's understanding that being good gets any rewards, any tips, or gets rewards, any tips. Um... Now, this is a difficult question. That's many things. Um, so, I don't know where she's having stiffness. Um, and stiffness usually is my first go-to is not chiropractic. I mean, that can certainly help. But stiffness is usually arthritic, um, which either means supplementation or, um, for some people, it means injections. Um, so, yeah, I mean... I don't know. I mean, I would just, I would do some research, see if you can isolate the area, um, you know, and see if you can figure out what's going on, um, to kind of like narrow it down a little bit more so that the owner doesn't just have to, um, uh, just pay the vet to find out what's wrong, you know, see if you can figure out where the stiffness is. Um, I mean, if like for neck stiffness, that's usually chiropractic, but it it could also be arthritic. But like if she's stiff in the way that she trots or something, that's usually more arthritic. Um, but it could also be a chiropractic problem. Sometimes those can come from being arthritic and compensating. Um, as well as it's hard for her to accept treats because her owner doesn't really care for her. So after doing something good, I scratch her. Yeah, I mean... I don't know how you're doing it. There isn't too much information in this message, but um, I did just post a video working with Azula on my YouTube, who is my five-month-old filly, who I've decided is mine. I'm calling her mine. Fuck it. Um, she, she's mine. Nobody can have her ever. Um, but she, uh, I trained her to halt her with just scratches, no treats or anything like that. So it's possible, but you have to make sure the horse really likes scratches. Um, and foals are so easy with that because they all love to be scratched everywhere. Um, but yeah, I don't know what you mean by it's hard for her to accept treats. I don't know if you're talking about the horse or the owner. I would assume the owner. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's never cool to go behind the owner's back, but sometimes if you can just show them what you've done, then it's fine. Especially if you've taught them manners around food, um, you know. If it were me, I would probably play dumb, <laughs> but I'm not advocating for using treats if the owner has explicitly told you not to, but otherwise, I would just teach the horse how to behave around food. Um, if, if you're confident, if you are positive that you can do it, then I would do it and then be like, look, I taught her how to behave around food. She knows that 
if I have a treat, she's not allowed to be in my space. That prevents biting. Look how cool. Science is fun. Um, <laughs> so, um, there's that, but you can also do scratches. Some just, it's not as motivating for some horses. Um, but yeah, so I don't know, convincing an owner to pay for it. I mean, like if you could really find the area that is the problem and just like sit down with her and be like, look, I really want to work with this horse, but I don't want to, um, ride her if something is wrong. And I really feel like she's experiencing some discomfort. I can tell she's stiff and I'm concerned that she has some arthritis. And, um, I was wondering if you would be open to, um, exploring how to make her more comfortable. Um, that's probably what I would go with. Hope that helps. Um, next question and the final one from listener Colette. Um, I hope that's how you pronounce your name. It's a cool name. Um, I have a question I'd like you to answer on the podcast, but first I want to let you know that using Patreon to answer listener questions is a wise move. Thank you endlessly for that. Um, for the amount of time and effort you put into answering questions, you'd be foolish not to. Oh, yeah. Thank you. I'm excited. Um, because I'm really hoping that'll, that'll help, (laughs) um, keep them all, um, you know, really good questions that haven't already been answered to, um, that being said, I'm not sure if I'll be joining or not because I'm feeling like giving up on positive reinforcement. Oh no, don't do that. Don't do that. Unnecessary. No, no. We'll find out what's wrong. Um, (laughs) because I'm feeling like giving up on positive reinforcement, but I'd be happy to send you $5 through PayPal for answering my question not necessary. I have not started. After this episode, we're done. It's only through Patreon, and if you send me an email from here on out, I will send you an email right back with the podcast episode attached, as well as the Patreon, and I would say, I'm sorry, can I answer your question? But if you would like to um, become a Patreon, I can absolutely do that, but these are the new rules. Um, so, I just feel so cold to say I hate that so much, but it, is, it must. I must do it. Um, okay, anyway. Um, I've been listening to your podcast since you started and I admire your wealth of not. Okay, I don't like reading things for myself. Um, uh, da, 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 da. Thank you endlessly for what you said. Um, you know what you said. Um, the problem I've been having with positive reinforcement training is that my horse doesn't want the treats. I'm using alfalfa pellets. He'd rather just do, or he'd rather do just about anything other than work for food. The only time he'll focus enough to train is when he's in a stall or cross ties with no other distractions. Okay, so this is a case of the um, the reinforcer not being salient enough. So um, we have a three-year-old filly here named Lexi, um, or Lexidos. Um, she um, is unbroke, never been worked with. She was too little to race, so she just kind of got halter broke and then got tossed out in the pasture. Um, she is super polite. I love her, but she, um, I am trying to click her trainer, but she doesn't like alfalfa pellets. And I was like, what the heck? You're a horse though. And she was like, sorry, figure it out. Um, so then I tried carrots and she said, absolutely not. She would not even take it in her mouth. Um, so then I found this bag in our feed room. It's Blue Bonnet brand Alpha Niblets is what they're called. A-L-F-A Alpha Niblets. And um, she loved those. They're still alfalfa pellets. They're just a different makeup, I guess. And she absolutely loved those. Totally willing to work for them. And it worked. So you just have to find what works for your horse because not every horse is the same. Not every horse likes carrots. Zoe hates apples. Um, She won't eat peppermints. She only likes carrots, and even recently she's decided she doesn't like the carrots from Walmart, so um, 
but she works for alfalfa pellets pretty fine. It's just if I do anything higher than that, I have to <laughs> be able to compensate with something that she likes. So I've got to find something else to work with. Um, maybe it was just a bad bag or something, but um, there are other options. There are other, you might have to try different brands of alfalfa pellets. Uh, maybe go to your feed store and ask if you could like sample it to see what your horse likes. Um, and yeah, so, um, that's what I would do with that. Um, because like if the horse is getting distracted, it's not normally because the horse isn't interested in the training or you, or, um, they're just too distractible. It's usually because it's not salient enough for them to pay attention. And also after you get into positive reinforcement, the reinforcer becomes a little bit less important. The horse is like more interested in the training as well. Um, so you just kind of have to get past those initial sessions. I'm going to continue. Um, when we work out in his turnout, he'll do manners and target a couple times and isn't really that interested in taking the food after I click and gets back to grazing pretty much as soon as we start. He does follow me around his pasture, but even if I click for that behavior, he won't take the food. Yeah, it just sounds like he doesn't like the alfalfa pellets. I mean, you can try anything. I mean, even I know some people um, just kind of ration out and take uh, portions of their horse's grain that they get fed. And, um, you know, if they train that day, they just get less grain in the afternoon and they work it into their overall day feeding. Sorry. There's a lot of banging and lots of yelling horses. Don't know what's going on. Sorry, that distracted me for a solid 30 seconds. Sorry. Um, okay. <clears throat> it's raining really hard right now, and they are not happy about it. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, you're just, I think it just sounds to me like you're just going to have to try some more snacks. I know that can be really annoying and um, not necessarily cost-effective. I would still try and stay away from, like, the ones that come in, uh, <clears throat> come in bags that are, like, $30 a bag, and they're just essentially molasses and sugar. Um, but yeah, so, okay, I'm going to continue. When we work in either the outdoor or indoor arena, he'll also target and walk long and low, something we've been working on. But when I click, he won't take the alfalfa pellets. If he's at Liberty, he'll play in the sand with his lip, walk around, check himself in the mirrors, roll, etc. In the cross ties and sometimes his stall are where I'm most successful with positive reinforcement. He's a superstar in the cross ties. When I get him, when I got him, he didn't know how to stand the cross ties. He learned in one session of positive reinforcement. He was god-awful about bridling. Now he's 100% better about that thanks to positive reinforcement. So I plan continuing to use it uh, for things he'll need to know in the barn. Do you have any thoughts or advice on how to engage him for sessions outside of the cross ties? He loves carrots and apples, but I know they're not a great option. I should mention that he's on a high-quality forage 24-7, and he's a three-year-old OTTB. So, um, yeah, it sounds just like Lexi to me. Um, just like there is like, there are a lot of things going on. Everything is still kind of new and, um, you know, geez, the, the, there's this thing on our barn that is, it flaps and it's so loud. It's distracting me really bad. Um, <clears throat> but when he's in the cross ties in a stall, there aren't any distractions like you said. So it sounds like, um, you know, it's more salient, but when he's in the arena or, um, indoor, or outdoor, or in his field, there's a lot of things to look at, lots of things to sniff, lots of things to explore, and it might be more enriching for him or more salient for him to walk around and do those things than the treats are. So, and that's, that's how it is for me and Zoe when I take her into the arena and when I w would ride her before I found out about her kissing spine, um, when I would ride her, she would not take the treats, um, at all 
And then I started using carrots. And then she was totally fine and totally relaxed and calm and everything. But she wouldn't take the alfalfa pellets when I was riding. And then gradually we worked um, back to where we could. um, I could treat her with the alfalfa pellets only. Um, So you can go up and then go back down gradually. So, um, yeah, it just sounds like they're not his thing. Um, You know, and they're working when um, there aren't other things to pay attention to. Um, but it sounds like he's just not super into them. I mean, it's kind of like, maybe it's like oatmeal for him. Nobody really likes oatmeal, but we'll eat it if it's the only thing in front of us, you know? Um, so maybe try, um, maybe try something else. Like try the alpha niblets if you can, um, get access to them or, um, other treats. I know some people use, um, hay or alfalfa itself to train or chopped hay or fresh grass if you want to pick it. I know a lot of people do that too. Um, they're just a bunch of different options. Again, I would try and steer away, like you said, from the apples and the carrots and, um, the processed treats are not really the best thing in the world to use. Um, and I know it's annoying when you have a special horse. That's how I feel about Lexi. Cause I'm like, now I have to ask my boss to order special treats just for Lexi. <laughs> so, um, anyway, um, yeah. So I think that concludes this episode. Uh, once again, If you listening have any questions, please feel free to subscribe to the Patreon um, or you can listen to all the other episodes and see if you get some ideas for the things you're working on. But um, please listen to the episode prior, the episode about all about Patreon. It walks you through what I offer at each tier and um, all about the online training, the phone consultations, all of that, which I'm really excited um, to get to do for people because I think that'll be super beneficial. I am doing um, at one of the tiers, I believe it is the $20 tier. I'm doing the phone calls live on the podcast. Um, so I'll record our phone call so you guys can hear the issues and, um, you know, get to get to listen to it and um, get to see if that's something that you're working on. Um, so, yeah, there we go. I think that is going to cover it. So once again, be sure to check us out on Patreon, Jet Real Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to that at whatever you can, if you can. The podcast will still be available everywhere else, so don't worry. Um, check us out, Jet Real Podcast, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Jet Echo Theory on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. And yeah, I think with that, I'm going to go ahead and end this episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. And I will catch you guys on Friday and Tuesdays. Have a good one.